Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to DocTales. We're glad to have you with us again. Today's DocTales session is featuring Harlan and Sarah Vince. They are from Invincible. That is their boat name. Sarah and Harlan, welcome. 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 <laughs> Hello, everybody. Hello, Kim and home crew and everybody. <laughs> yeah, you can see that they are coming to us from their boat, which is wonderful. So I'll let you two tell us, where are you on the boat? No, I'll yeah, yep. We're in Grand Haven, Michigan. In fact, they just put our boat in uh, for the summer last Friday. So we're in, and uh, right, we're about a half an hour upper river from Lake Michigan. Um, we're just uh, west of Grand Rapids, Michigan. That's kind mm -hmm. of a bigger town. So she's been splashed for the season. Have you been able to take her out yet? Uh, nope. No. Nope. In fact, we docked in a big wind like 34 40 mile an hour winds when we left the uh, where they put us in and um that used to bother us but after doing the loop we put it in no problem <laughs> it was a good captain <laughs> they wanted to know if we needed help we said no 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 oh. we no current here this is no problem <laughs> no current and you've literally done it hundreds of times at this point that's right that's right yeah <laughs> yeah well we've got some of our uh facebook viewers already chiming in so kelly says hi to harlan and sarah hi yeah. kelly hello kelly yeah. so let's start from the beginning and for those who perhaps haven't joined us for one of these before these are just sessions we do at, at traditional docktail time which is when people have tied up for the day and are, are sharing some cocktails, but also sharing some story, stories. So um, we're going to hear the stories of Invincible's Loop today. So Harlan and Sarah, start us off by telling us what type of boat Invincible is, because it's not quite your typical looper boat. <laughs> no, um, this is a, it's a 1998. It's called a 270. Its overall length is just under 30 feet. And it's a single engine. Um, it's a Sea Ray. It's a single engine gas. Um, which is unusual on the loop. A lot of bo most boats are diesel, and it's a stern drive as well. So um, we kind of uh, went against the the norm, and it turned out okay. <laughs> but we we've also owned Invincible for over twenty years. Twenty years, yeah. and so we literally know Invincible from front to yep. back. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and that that's a really important point because there was a time um, where it, the conventional wisdom was to Perhaps the best boat for the Great Loop is the boat that you already have. And these days we see lots of people who have had a weekender boat for years and are upgrading for comfort or whatever the reason might be for the Great Loop. Um, and you two took that kind of old school approach of, you know, sometimes the best boat is the boat you have. So and, talk a little we, bit. Yeah, go ahead, Harlan. Go ahead. No, no, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> about that like you know tell us what led to the decision did you consider at all a bigger boat or you were thrilled with what you we actually had? we actually started looking for a bigger boat a different boat and we just couldn't find something that we really truly wanted and somebody told us to take the boat that you know and mm -hmm. because we know this boat we decided mm -hmm. to look into what we needed to do to get Invincible ready to take her. And we did a, a few modifications and got her ready. We also lived on Invincible for uh, five, five, summers. five summers um, before we went on the loop. And so we we knew what we needed and did not need to, to be able to live on her. So that helped big time. Yeah, we've got a few more shout outs. Uh, hello to Linda, thanks for joining us. <laughs> And Bonnie says hi. Hey, that's my toy. Hi, Bonnie. Hi, Chris. Hey, Bonnie. 
And so do Susan and Greg on LinkedIn. So hi, everyone. We're glad you're with us. So I was going to start out with uh, talking a little bit more about, you know, kind of your stories of the loop. But if you don't mind, let's stick it with the boat for a little while. Because so she's a 27 yep. foot spray. And yep. you mentioned that you made some modifications to get her ready. So were those for comfort or longevity on, you know, the route or, you know, what was, what were the modifications and what was led you to decide those were needed? Well, right off the bat, um, like as far as our fuel range, we did not have, it has a hundred gallon uh, uh, fuel tank Gasoline. and we have never gone 250 miles like you have to do between Alton and Paducah, um, Kentucky. So we were really, um, thinking, how are we going to do this? We had the marina. We're very close with the marina staff here at Grand Isle and Grand Haven, and they came in our boat. They were geek. They made this a project. They wanted to get on the boat. Um, we had it mapped out. We were going to add a bigger waste tank, a bigger fuel tank, a bigger water tank, and we ended up discovering the bladder tank, um, a really good bladder tank that became kind of popular. Everybody kept wondering what it was on the bow of our boat, and we actually had it um, installed on the bow of our boat. And we, we, we installed it. Yeah, we installed yeah. it. It was all part of a of a kit and we used that from um we actually filled up at tall timbers in havana illinois but the, just because it, we were the only boat there and we thought we want to try this when nobody else is around if something goes wrong it was a 50 gallon bladder tank so we did that at uh, tall timbers and then the first time we used it um we we successfully made it all the way from alton to paducah without needing that bladder but we were down to six gallons. I would have been a nervous wreck. Well, we, we, and we also, the Mississippi was flowing fast. So, so it, it pushed us. And yep. if we wouldn't have had that, it would have been different, I think. Yep. And then so we that was a push from the current, you might have actually needed. Right. Oh, yeah. right. Yep. Right. Any, one more thing, you know, that would have caused us to use just a little more gas, we would have had to, to use it. But then we also used it from, um, well, let's see here. Demopolis. Demopolis. Yeah, Demopolis to all the way to Mobile out of convenience. When we um, stayed at Bobby's, we got up in the morning. We That was when you had to hit the locks. We had a seven o'clock lock opening. Mm -hmm. And they, uh, we looked around and they had so many boats at Bobby's Fish Camp. The fuel dock was four boats deep. There was no way we were going to get our boat in there. And I looked at that 50 gallons. And I go, thank goodness. So we ended up <laughs> dumping that in there and that got us all the way to Mobile. Well, at some point you have to empty that out anyway, right? <laughs> yep, yep. In right. fact, we never use it. It rode around with us the whole rest of the loop. We never. Uh, and, and now we have a, a looper that uh, family that's going to be going and they purchased it from us because they have about the same size boat. So it's going on to another loop trip. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> And just for a little bit of background for um, the newer folks who might not be too familiar with these areas, the, the biggest distance between fuel stops right now on the Great Lakes is, a, as Invincible was saying, from Alton to Paducah. It's about 250 miles. The good news is we are expecting Hoppy's Marina to come back online soon um, for both uh, gasoline and diesel. So that'll cut that distance down to about 200 miles, which is a little bit more of what we were used to on the loop before Hoppy's closed because of storm damage probably two years ago. So last yep. I checked in with them, they were hoping, kind of fingers crossed, by the end of this month of April. We're getting close to the end of the month. Um, they were relying on some contractors to, you know, work some magic there. So it wouldn't surprise me if it pushes into next month a little bit. But, you know, for this season, they are expecting to have fuel again. So that's a big That's bonus, particularly for our gas-powered vessels. But where there's a will, there's a way. And um, we have a question, actually, specific to the 
um, ladder that you used. Uh, question from Bill is, did the extra weight on the bow affect the boat's performance? No, and it's kind of funny. We actually liked, when, it, when we had the weight up there, we actually went faster at idle. We did probably, I'm going to say, over, I'm going to say 90% of the loop was done at, I'll, I call it trawler speed, you know, eight, nine miles per hour. And we noticed we had less RPMs when that tank was loaded. We have no idea why our boat performed, but it actually did better um, at a no wake speed when that tank was full. I was joking with Sarah going, maybe we had to top that off with, it made no sense, but we said, maybe we had to put 50 gallons in that. It was just, it seemed like the boat handled a little better. My theory on that, Kim, is the aft cabin was so full of everything that we needed <laughs> that it really balanced it, it out quite have. well. <laughs> I don't believe we ever, we did go up on plane in the river right, system. We, did. Yep. we did like in Illinois and stuff when you had those long stretches, we did um, go up on plane with it, but we never hit any um, significant waves when, when, when that it was, was up there. Yeah. Um, and yeah. it's interesting. You either got to have it totally empty or totally full. You don't want to have it in between because it would slosh around. So we always made sure when we did dump it that we had 50 gallons of um, space left in the main tank. Yeah, interesting. Not something I ever would have thought of, but it makes total sense that you either want it full or empty. Um, a couple yep. more hellos to you. Hi, Alex. Thanks for joining us again. Yep. Oh. <laughs> got uh, Debbie from Vero Beach. Hey, Debbie. Thanks for joining. Um, so you talked a little bit, Sarah, about all of the stuff <laughs> was in the app. This is her area. <laughs> um, uh, Harlan is about. amazing. Harlan is absolutely amazing with the engine and mechanical, anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, my forte is I love things to be um, organized and every. Thing has a spot and it goes in that same spot um, so that we always know where things are at. Uh, the, the best thing that we found out worked, and again, we did this before we went on the loop um, for those summers, uh, tubs with lids. And I always said, I, if we had to go, if I had to go to the aft cabin to get something, I would play Jenga and just <laughs> kind of move tubs around and slide tubs in, slide tubs out. Um, each tub was a designated thing. Uh, items in that so I, I knew where they were um we we kept uh extra food of course on board extra warm clothing and plenty we were, of paper towels we never <laughs> wanted to run out of paper towels he is a paper towel <laughs> order um uh, toilet papers you know essential stuff um so we we really didn't run out of anything even when that you know COVID hit right. and there, there became a issue that we really did a, a good job of, you know, resupplying yep. when we could and keeping the aft cabin. And some packed. of that, some of that <laughs> well, is definitely like, you know, we bring up toilet paper, you know, we were using marinas um, for the most part and the, the marinas restrooms. were just absolutely fantastic during COVID. We were just, we got where, where it hit and locked everything down. We were in Fort Pierce, Florida, which was a, we were only supposed to stay there, what, two days? Two days. And we ended up staying a month because um, we just were kind of waiting to see what was going to happen. We figured we're not going to leave. We really liked Fort Pierce and they had everything going on. Restaurants that would deliver food or you could go pick it up. They had grocery stores. So that was like really the first time where we were wondering if we were going to run out of stuff, but it turned but out didn't. never been an issue. No. Never was an issue. But I, I kind of, you know, made sure that we kept you know, things that, you know, purchase things ahead so that we would make sure that we, you know, didn't have a shortage on stuff and it worked out well. I, but I, I like that part. I, I think it's, you know, great that you can grab something and you've got it. 
from what I remember of, you know, roughly this time last year, Fort P Pierce, you probably were not alone there. I believe a lot of boaters kind of hunkered down there. Um, so yeah. what was that like being bored and therefore socially distanced, but also probably having some friends nearby that you would have loved to have been able to associate with? Um, you know, how did things work out being actually on the loop when COVID first started? Yeah, when we left... Um St. If I say it right, St. Lucie Campground, that was our last spot before we got, went through Stewart, Florida and came up into Fort Pierce, Florida. We didn't know. We heard about COVID. We knew it was happening, but we didn't know that it was going to become a lockdown situation. When we got into the harbor there to, to um, get our slip at Fort Pierce, we kept called on the radio and they kept saying, now, what, what's your boat name? And we said Invincible. And they said, okay. Well, normally we only wait out there, you know, minutes. five minutes, yeah. you know, you usually know what's going to happen. They'll either come back and say, hey, you know, in 20 minutes, come on in. This time they were very cautious and we were kind of getting concerned. And then they came back and said, do you have reservations? We said, yes. And they said, OK, come on in. So we came in, we docked and the whole place was it just didn't seem right. It was not the normal festive type, you know, when you pull into a marina. And when we went in, the staff at Fort Pierce we're doing nothing but canceling reservations. If you couldn't get your boat there by midnight that night, mm -hmm. they were done. They were not accepting any more, um, any more boats. And we said, wow, we just well, got in. Because the city, um, yeah, the city shut them down for 30 days and they were city run Marina. So they were going by the city's, you know, rules. So we went to lunch and it was our last, it was actually St. Patrick's day. It was yeah. our last in restaurant setting down, Meal. I'm not really knowing what was happening there, right part of the Fort Pierce uh, City Marina. And then when we left there, we went back to the office, um, the office and said, hey, we want to sign up for. And she said, oh, you guys are good. You guys are in. You guys are always. In. And they had we had they had one more boat that was coming in after us. It was the only one that was allowed to come in because they were already like, you know, like right there. Yeah. And um, we got to know them a little bit. Yep. But then, then we. We made a call to Bonnie and Chris. They were in the Keys. We split with them. Um, actually, I think Demopolis was the last time we saw them. And I called Chris and I said, hey, what's, what are you guys hearing down there? And he goes, what are you hearing? I said, you know, things are coming apart here. They're closing us down. He goes, well, they were actually saying they could not see where they were at. So they actually got a slip across the causeway from where we were at Fort Pierce. It was, um, I can't remember the name of the marina, but it was, you had to walk across the bridge to see them. And it was like, we were kind of alone until they uh, <laughs> they showed up and they, they made like this four or five day, no marina trek from the Keys all the way to Fort Pierce. And when they got there the first day, we could we actually met on the bridge. I mean, we left on our side and then on their side. It was like a Looper family reunion yep. with one other boat, but we were so excited that we were going to be with them for a while. Yeah, yep. So it was great. You know, I think folks who weren't out there looping at the time probably didn't realize or don't remember that there was a big challenge with any city-owned marina pretty much anywhere because cities were all closing down their employees and their right. staff. Of course, a city-run right. marina is run by city employees. Right. Uh, so, you know, thinking back, Florida has since then become known as the place where everything's open. <laughs> but this time, you know, last year, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Along with everything else was closing down and we had lots of panicked calls from loopers from Florida all the way to Illinois. 
who were dealing with marinas that were shutting down, kicking people out. It was it was a, an interesting time, and of course now it's oh yeah, it's a different way as everybody's getting underway we, again. But we called, oh yeah, so we called home to our marina again. Oh sorry, oh, no. <laughs> we just said you know should we leave our boat? You know Fort Pierce. There was a couple marinas there that would have taken us, and then we were thinking about taking a loading up and literally coming home and then starting a loop later. Everybody, including family, said, no, you guys are still in your boat. You're still boating. You're still enjoying. Every, nobody could put a boat in in Michigan. Every marina was was held. They did not get any boats until mid-June, actually, here in this marina. So they were yeah. telling us, enjoy it, you know, and stuff. So we end up um, riding it out. <laughs> so how far from crossing your wake were you when you ended up at Fort Pierce for a month? Ah, uh, let's see here. I don't. I don't think that was halfway yet, was it? No. Oh, I thought she meant when we made it back. Oh, um. You mean from that when we planned on returning? Well, so I guess what I'm really asking is how much of the loop did you do after COVID? After COVID started happened, and how different was it? So you know, how did. far did you still have to go, and how did it change your trip? Every the whole entire East Coast, you know, all the way, um, really all the way back yeah, to our slip. I mean, I'm here in Michigan. But we was done with COVID, and that was right. after we left um, April. Sometime in April is when yeah. we and, um, But we didn't, um, and we were on like some of the other loopers. We never planned on going into Canada. We had always planned on just coming through and around the Great Lakes. And so a lot of people were sending us messages saying, "Oh, we're so sorry that you're not able to go to Canada because the border shut." And we're like. It's okay. We weren't going to anyways because of living in Michigan on Lake Michigan. We want to go backwards and go. And yeah, we are spend. doing Canada, just not. Yeah, yeah. just not this past <laughs> yep. year and this year. Um, so that that part, the only big change was the 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 place. Some of the places were shut down. Museums we couldn't go into. Um, some of the different places. Yep. A lot of there was restaurants. Some of them were open. Some of them were not. There was a couple places when we first started to leave. In fact, Chris from My Toy, who Bonnie, yeah, and Chris and Bonnie, they, I kind of kept saying, I'm not ready to go yet. Chris goes, I'm ready to go, and he started doing some homework, and he found marinas that were open. He called all the way up to, you know, Baltimore, and figured out where we could go and where we couldn't. So it was kind of scary that morning, leaving a safe haven of Fort Pierce, and kind of going into the unknown. And I know our traffic was nothing like nothing. a normal season. I mean, there was no boats. You know, you had the normal sport fishing boats and stuff, but you didn't have a lot of uh, the normal traffic until we got up into uh, New York and got into um, even in the Erie Canal. That's when we got back into loopers and people that we knew. And it was kind of like a reunion there at uh, Shady Harbor. Um, so I'm um, waiting for the waiting for um, the Erie Canal to open up. So we that, had to, you know, that, yeah. It, it opened yeah. up very late last year. It was into August before the Erie Canal opened up. So Alex was asking, so you passed through the Erie Canal in August or sometime thereafter, correct? That's correct. Right, right. Yep. In yeah. fact, we we took it, we went in when they um, they opened up half of it and we could go all the way to Lock, I, I'm going to guess it was 26. 26 yeah. Ilion Marina, the town of Ilion was the last town we could get to. And then the lock after that was closed down. Um, still they were opening it up. I mean, they needed to yeah. get the repairs completed and open it back up. And we went into Ilion and that's where a lot of loopers kind of, we kind of bunched up there waiting for it. And anybody that was going either 
um, Canadians needed a, the Oswego Canal to get up into Lake Ontario. And then the people we were traveling with also, that's how they um, um, got home was to go into Lake Ontario. And that section did not open up right away, but our lock opened up, I'm gonna say four to five days earlier than what we were originally planning. So we went back to the marina and said, uh, we're gonna leave in a couple of days here. We weren't really in a hurry, but we kind of wanted to get through the lock. You know, we didn't know how long they were gonna keep things open and it ended up turning out really good. But when we went through our first, our first travel in the Erie Canal, when we went through, um, we made it to what? Seven locks yeah, or seven, seven or eight locks. And we spent a couple days at the small marina. The next day we were planning on going through maybe five, six locks. We ended up doing 12 locks in one day. We were the oh, only boat. The one lock master would call the next lock master. And he says, hey, and they kept calling us VIPs. He goes, it's VIP. He goes, um, he goes, you guys keep going. Cause I told him, I said, I don't want to get stuck where I in a spot where we don't want to spend the night because they stopped the locks at four 30. You need to be through your last lock. And he says, you're going to make it. He goes, I promise you, you're going to make it. I, and we went all the way through. Well, we made it all the way to Ilion and yeah. I could not believe where we were at. We were getting texts from people and Nebo responses going, what are you guys doing? The whole Erie canal in one day. <laughs> and the lock masters were just great. We'd come around the corner and I would pick up the mic to call the lock and the door would open. I would, I didn't wow. even have to call. I mean, they were just, and he kept going, no, we knew we heard about you guys, you know, coming down. And he says, keep, keep coming, keep coming. I liked it because I was on the bow of the boat and I'd go, whoa. Yeah, it was just <laughs> like, just open. So, we had a lot yeah, of fun. You not that happening too often because usually you're waiting no, for everybody else no. to get tied up or, you know, some of the slower boats to even yeah. just make it to the log. So right. that's, that's a pretty yep. experience. Definitely kind of a once in a lifetime kind of thing. A um, couple yep. more folks. Saying hello. Um, Colin says he's looking forward to seeing you when Very you do good. come to Canada. And we all uh, hope yeah, that yeah, our Canadian friends can come here and we can head to Canada yes. sooner rather than later. Yep. Um, and Dave yep. says he's sorry that he missed meeting you at Shady Harbor. Oh, oh Shady Harbor. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And of course, Wendy and the rest of the Wilson clan from La Seagal are still in Marathon. Yeah. So, hey, Wendy, good to see you. And Wendy, actually, um, and Bobby are going to be presenting at a webinar for us about the Erie Canal route and focusing uh, their home waters or when they're not in Marathon or Lake Erie. Um, since oh. we know Harlan and Sarah, a lot of folks are going to be following in your footsteps this year. Um, yeah. Since we still can't do Canada, um, people will be headed to um, the Erie Canal once again. And depending on air draft, either into the Oswego and onto the Welland or through the Erie, but either way, they will end up in Lake Erie. And that's a little bit of the road less traveled for loopers. But I know Alex uh, Ertz, who's with us today, has done it as well and read an article for last year's Great Loop Link about it. And uh, we're going to um, make sure we get that out to everyone for this year as well about Lake Erie. But that webinar is coming up uh, May 25th, if I'm not mistaken. I might have that date a little wrong. It's the last Tuesday in May for anybody who's looking for some details on Lake Erie. That webinar is coming up. And we've got a hi deal. from uh, Maggie Tom. Jo. Hey, Tom. Maggie hi, jo. there's Maggie Jo. Hello. We finished the loop, yep. uh, Maggie Jo and Invincible together. Great, yep. great guys. Great. Yep. <laughs> he, he helped me change. Uh, actually, oh, yeah. Sarah and him helped were my, uh, I'm going to say it, Tom. They were my nurses changing a prop uh, in the Erie Canal. We actually hooked something in deep water just at idle. We we caught something in the um, Erie Canal after the couple days earlier of going above wake. 
and never hitting anything. Here we are going slow and we caught something. So we ended up changing a prop. I can't remember exactly what, there's so many of the little towns there that you, uh, yeah, you stop at, yeah. but he was my, um, I had carried a wrench with us for two years in this boat <laughs> to, that was the prop nut size. And of course now I'm in the dinghy. I got my hands in the water. I'm looking at the prop, the, our, that wrench that we had carried for two years did not fit. Oh, so no. <laughs> Tom says, I got you covered. He leaves, he goes back, comes back with us. I said, I'm not removing bridge bolts. <laughs> I mean, this was a serious uh, a wrench, but it worked fantastic. So One of many examples of loopers and the, the close knit family um, oh, of yeah. loopers that it, 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 you know, we will constantly, we are, you know, sending them messages, they're sending us messages and and just it's fantastic to have met all the people that we have met throughout mm -hmm. the trip. It was it's just been amazing. Yeah. So you shared some stories from the Erie Canal. Um, tell us about some of your other favorite stops or some of your favorite towns along the way. I you know, we've been struggling with that question because we liked literally, I mean we literally had every place was new. We really liked it. I mean, there's some places that, that stood out. Um, I personally really liked going from, uh, was it Pensacola? Pensacola to Appalachia. Cola was just for some reason. Now there was some of the devastation from in Mexico beach from the hurricanes, but once you kind of got through that, even that area was really, for some reason, I just felt very at peace going all the way through that waterway and when you eventually get to Apalachicola, going through those cedar swamps and going through some of those smaller lakes, I had no idea that was like that. And mm -hmm. um, we were traveling with a, um, one other boat then at the time. It, it depends how we were doing that. But when we got to Apalachicola, I said, that was a beautiful trip. See, and he said that, and I didn't yeah. understand it because it was okay. But my, <laughs> my biggest, I mean, the part that I love the most was a place that we had actually traveled to before and we stayed at Clearwater Beach for two months. And I just absolutely yeah, loved a... Clearwater Beach. But then also um, when when we went to um, the Sea the Manatee, the oh, Crystal, Crystal River. Yep. And mm -hmm. I just, I, I, I liked those areas. But really overall, we, we really enjoyed a lot of the area. So it's really hard to narrow it down to yeah, our favorites. We did have some surprises like uh, Clifton. Clifton... Um, that in Mississippi, Clifton it's Clifton Marina. Marina. Stacy's the owner of. It's on the Ten Tom, right? But, on the Ten Tom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yep. that's Mississippi. Had, I think yeah. so. We had no idea. We pulled in there, and I'm thinking this is going to be a one and done. You know, we're going to get up in the morning, and there was a bunch of other loopers there that we knew, and it turned out to be the food was fantastic. Amazing. They had bands playing. And I said, this is, we end up staying three or four days. Yeah, several. Well, same with uh, Green Turtle Bay. Yeah, Green Turtle Bay, we end up staying we a long time, too. We stayed at Green Turtle Bay, and, and then we <laughs> like stayed that, even Clifton, longer. Tennessee. <laughs> yeah. Tennessee. There we go. There we go. There we go. <laughs> One of our river whisperers. He knows all the town names. knows exactly yeah, where they are. Good. That's good. Yeah, yeah, very so good. You can always answer those questions for me. So thank you, Alex, for chiming in on that. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> yeah. So, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say there was another place that we both kind of, we had no idea when we wow. got through New York City. I mean, that was overwhelming, even though everything went, um, <laughs> there's Alex, mile 158, very good. Yeah, we came through the city and 
we, took pictures. Yeah, we did. Bonnie and Chris took pictures yep, of us. We, we took take turns of in front of the Statue, Statue of Liberty. Liberty. And then we kind of worked our way out of the city going up the Hudson. Once you leave the city there, we had no idea how beautiful that is all the way to Shady Harbor. That was just the mountain ranges. It just it, it caught, it totally caught us off guard. I mean, it was like, it was, that was a big surprise. That was a, a very welcome surprise. We didn't, yeah, we I didn't, didn't know that was we, like that there. We'd never been in that area before via car or anything. No. So it was absolutely gorgeous along there. And we, I have said, I would love to go back during the colors. And I just think that would be an amazing area to be in in that time of year. It'd be beautiful. Yep. So that was neat. Yeah. You know, you did, as you said, from, you know, kind of from um, northeastern Florida, I guess, you know, from Fort Pierce along the Atlantic ICW in Florida for the rest of your loop back to Michigan was after COVID started. So and then that would have been when you were going through New York City, through the Hudson River Valley. Do you feel like you missed anything because some of it was closed or are you more about the scenery and the places and it didn't make that big of a difference to you? One, one thing we did miss that we are definitely, it's on our list, is we were going to go up the Potomac River and do the museum, the Bible Museum, and um, several museums there. And that was totally um, a no-go. There was nothing open when um, we hit that that area. And we knew it wasn't, we were pretty sure, as you even called, I think, yeah, I just did. to I, make sure it wasn't. I um, called to see if by chance, but there were a lot of protesting going on, yeah. and we just knew that that was. So I think that's really the only change. That, that, that was the biggie that we missed that was on the on the, on the list, list. Um, yeah. doing the loop. Everything else, we had some surprises like um, restaurants. Um, Chris from My Toy and I, we're big on restaurants. restaurants. <laughs> and I always had them figured out, you know, when we get there. And there were some places where we stopped and we couldn't wait to go to this restaurant and it wasn't even open. I mean, there was a couple of those situations early on. You cried. Oh, yeah. It was cried. very, it was. <laughs> I would have cried too. You know I like my restaurants too. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. And the big joke was every time we would go into the next state, they were going to open back up. They were ready to open up the restaurants. And it was always like a week after we left. Yeah, we would we leave always, and then they would open. <laughs> so when we got to Myrtle Beach, I said, hey, we're slowing down. Let's let them open up some stuff there. And they did. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Myrtle Beach was a, actually one of the first places where we got to set Start, down. Started to open up yep. things, yeah. So it, um, yeah. It, but it, it, we did, I think we missed, um, I think we missed not being with a lot of loopers until we got into Shady Harbor. I right. think there would have been a lot more loopers with us because yeah. everybody, a lot of people stopped. There was not, um, you know, um, you know that's interesting that you say that. A lot of people stopped. Um, I think a lot yeah. of people who were close to closing their wake hurried up and just got home as quickly as yeah. they yep. did. Yep. So yep. yep. From brand new members who had, you know, taken that leap of faith and gone ahead and started anyway. Um, even though COVID was happening and they were kind of calling me and saying, I don't understand. Everybody says this is a social trip. We can't find anybody. Oh, <laughs> oh that's sad. Um, you know, that tried to encourage them and, and they did keep going, but you know, what's, what's been, um, shouldn't have been a surprise, but is becoming a surprise to me. We had, I don't remember the actual number now, but a hundred and a little bit over 100 boats complete the Great Loop in 2020, which was a low year. And you can certainly understand why. The year before was 172, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. So we expected uh, that to be low in 2020. What I really didn't put together is that I think 2021 is actually going to be a lower number of completions than 2020. Really? Because so many people that had planned to start in 2020, didn't, and they put it off. So we're sitting here and it's April 27th right now. 
We've had two boats report completion so far this whole year. Um, wow. Then I, I, so it'll be 2022 then. I yeah. think 2022 is yep. going to be a big year. Obviously, as the year goes on, you know, the people in the Great Lakes will be starting this summer. People in the rivers will be starting this right. fall. Um, anybody right. in Florida is out there now, and there's tons of boats out there now. But it's just that yeah. if you look at people, they're all just starting. <laughs> so um, wow. that was, we were sitting around the, the office in late February going, why are we getting no loop completion reports? And Julie was going, I have nothing to put in the newsletter because there's no loop completion. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's going to take a while for that cue to get. You know, yep. We finally said, I think everybody either hurried up and finished or just didn't go so we've got this lull so I, I went back and looked and last year by this time of the year we had had about 40 boats that completed the loop and again i think wow. some of them finished faster than they expected because of covid so i went back and looked at 2019 and by kind of mid-ish april um i looked at this a week or so ago but by around mid-april in 2018 we had about 30 that had completed the loop and we're still sitting here at two so far this year so i think it's going to be a very wow. low year something I had never anticipated. So we started wondering where the heck everybody was. And then we figured it oh, out. Yeah. Got a couple more. Uh, yeah, we, uh, Mary. Oh, and Jen. oh, very good. Yeah. Like, oh, Joe, yeah. yeah. You'll always be Pegasus to us, even if you're the former owners. Yeah. And <laughs> Our first alligator yeah. sighting was with uh, them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hello, Sarah. David. <laughs> hey, David. Thanks for joining. Um, so we're, we can take questions from anyone who is watching us on Facebook. You can just type those into the comments and we'll be able to pick those up from here, for, from there. Um, I do want to go back to one thing that the two of you mentioned. You mentioned um, the manatee in Crystal River. So that got me to thinking oh. about the golf crossing. Did you take the Big Bend route through Crystal River or did you we make did. We, went, we, we went to Steenhatchee. We did the 80-mile uh, crossing from Carabell to Steenhatchee. and. Okay. Um, we were just telling some other people about that around here that we were originally going to leave with four boats. And by the time we left, we only left with one other boat. So um, we crossed over to uh, Steenhatchee and it was one of our um, probably the rare situations where we really hit some big water. Um, I would say out of the eight hour run, I'm going to say four to five hours of that. We were in probably, I'm not going to say it's the biggest waves, but it was waves we were not used to. They weren't the normal Lake Michigan waves. They were the, you know, the two to three footers, but they had these swells that mm -hmm. would lift up. And I'm kind of like, we're going with another trawler. Luckily, I mean, thank goodness another for them. <laughs> and uh, we're, um, we're leading and he, he started to come back and he goes, I can see, he says, you guys are climbing this, this hill. And he says, I can see your nav lights and everything. And he goes, I went, wow. And I didn't really, we didn't re realize what we looked like in the boat. We were comfortable in the boat. Things were going okay. Mm -hmm. From their vantage, though, they're saying, my goodness, you guys are like hitting these huge waves. And then we started going down the backside of them, and I could not keep the boat. I had to be really on the throttle for four hours, you know, giving it gas on the way up and then really slowing at the top so we don't come down the backside of them. We were dipping our uh, anchor pulpit in a couple times. We did it five yeah. times. And I said, this is probably out That's of the scary. whole loop because our day one of leaving from Grand Haven was crossing to Chicago. I mean, mm -hmm. we know Lake Michigan really well, so we did the 120 mile, 121 miles day one, and everybody kept asking, what are you guys going to do with the crossing? Uh, I said, we've already done it. I mean, that was, and. Yeah, but on Lake Michigan. Yeah, but on Lake on Michigan, yeah. <laughs> and um, it was different. I, we just weren't expecting it, and we ended up putting the trawler ahead of us, 
and we kind of, I think he helped a little bit, um, leveling out the waves a little bit. But what was nice is I got a reference of when I needed to hit the gas and then um, when I need to back down. And it was the only time in the entire loop, we didn't feel unsafe, but I was glad we were with another boat. It was yeah. um, when we crossed Lake Michigan, we did that by ourselves. But when we did the, uh, I, I told Sarah, I think that if we would have been by ourselves, we would have gone back to Carabell. I don't think we would have continued um, the crossing. No, we would definitely have turned around. Yeah. Because so, it, Tons of questions about this. <laughs> Lots of unpacking. <laughs> so, <laughs> beginning. Um, some loopers, for those watching who may not be familiar with the process for crossing the Gulf, it's 170, 170, I think that's right. Alex will chime in for me. Um, statute miles, if you're going all the way straight across from um, Carabell to Tarpon Springs. For many boats, that's an overnight crossing, particularly for the slower trawlers. And that is very daunting for some people. So the other way to do that is the Big Bend. Um, and that would be usually two to three hops. So the first one would be from Apalachicola or Carabelle to Steenhatchee, just like Sarah and Harlan just told us. That one is still 80 miles, as they said. So it's still a big jump. And it's interesting to hear that you still had some pretty big weather concerns. Because I think a lot of people mistakenly expect the Big Bend route to mean that they're in protected waters. And you're really still pretty far out in the Gulf to have oh, people yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. going from Apalachicola to Steenhatchee. So 80 miles. So first question, in a sea ray, could you have gone straight across as a daylight all the way to Tarpon Springs in a daylight only crossing? Because you're a faster boat. We would have had to, um, you know, go um, fast. We would have probably with our bladder we probably had enough fuel to do that, but when we're up on plane, it's we're a gas hog. Yeah. I mean, compared yes, the to fuel consumption, that makes sense. Would have been right. a concern. That would be the biggest concern, and of course, and, you know, and if there's waves in the sea ray, you it would it wouldn't be yeah, comfortable going fast. Our size, our size, our of the size. Ray. Ray. I, I think right. it, another thing that would play into that is if you had another fast boat going with you, if you had mm -hmm. you know two or three all boats that could run 20 miles per hour, or, you know, some of them are doing, we met some people in Carabelle that did it in a one day. Um, they did the run all the way to Clearwater, but they were running yeah. 38 miles. I don't know if that's knots or miles. It doesn't matter. They were going fast, yeah. way faster than our boat. Yeah. Would go much bigger, but if you could run, <laughs> if you ran with um, like, I don't know if we would have wanted to do the night crossing at idle in this boat. No. I'd want to make sure there was, no bad weather for, you know, four days leading up to it and four days after. I would have been probably much more concerned about that. But if you were going with other boats that were all at the same speed, I think it would be kind of fun to do that. I think you could do that. Yeah. But I'm, well, the other key I, hope, I don't know if Bella got us. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. The other, no, I was just going to say the other key component there is waiting for that weather window, um, which you, yep. you kind of alluded to that you would want a four day before and after. Um, you know, the good news is that many loopers are typically waiting along with you for that weather window. So it's usually possible to find some buddy boats. So, you know, kind of my next question for you, is: you said, you started out with four other boats you were supposed to cross with. Um, and again, yeah. kind of the shorter crossing, the 80 miles to Steenhatchee. And you ended up with yeah. one. What happened there? Well, one, one boat had a mechanical issue right on the morning. They were leaving with us. Um, and they're actually, we, we see them a lot. Um, Jane and... Jonathan, Jonathan. Um, from Belagata, Belagata, and they were they were going. In fact, at the in the morning, 
they were originally going to be the only people crossing with us. We had one boat that dropped out. They were not going to cross the Gulf. And then another boat wasn't going to cross the Gulf. They were going to do the long, the long, um, the long cross. Uh-huh. And thank goodness for Brenda from Real Grace. She talked her husband into going with us. They were the trawler that we were crossing um, um, to Steenhatchee. And then yeah, I guess th- it's kind of, I don't know how to say it, but when we got to Steenhatchee, now you still have two more days of weather windows that you right. got to watch. And we're being from Lake Michigan. When you have an east wind, we can still boat on our side of the lake. Well, when we got up in the morning to leave Steenhatchee to go to Crystal River, there was an east wind. And I'm telling the other boat, this is going to be great. It's going to be flat. Well, I didn't know to be in at least five to six foot of water, you got to go way out into the Gulf before you start to head (laughs) north. So we were out in there where we weren't protected. Yeah, and south, South. we weren't protected anymore. So we had some waves there, but nothing like when we crossed um, the main, uh, the run over to Steenhatchee. And when we got into Crystal River, that was the most, we had so much fun in that. We took dinghies into the the, uh, springs. Manatees were coming right up. They say, don't touch them. It's almost hard not to. And they literally come (laughs) right up. Yeah, they come right up. I mean, they're just so curious. And while we were in the slips, they would they were right coming between the boats. boats. So um, it yeah. was. Um, I'm glad we did that. Belagato is actually the one that t- told us. We said we were pretty convinced we weren't going to do the long crossing, and they're from that area. And she said you, she said you definitely want to do the Steenhatchee. And we're so glad we did. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you also kind of in that hit on why some people do choose to do the longer crossing all the way directly to Tarpon Springs. And that is because you do need three hops for most people. Right. Doing right. Yep. right. For some people, um, they prefer to just get it over within one big hop, yeah. um, yep. and big weather window and others prefer to do the big bend and take the three hops. And um, the manatees certainly are a good reason to head for the big bend. Um, Crystal river is a place and there's a uh, natural Springs that keep the water a fairly constant temperature year round, which is what attracts the manatee there. And I've known uh, loopers who have done the uh, longer crossing straight to Tarpon Springs or into Clearwater, and then actually backtracked to go to um, Crystal yep. river. Yep. To yep. The manatee. So tell us, you know, kind of what you went from, um, Apalachicola or Carabelle to Steenhatchee? We, le- we went from Carabelle. From Carabelle to Steenhatchee and then Steenhatchee to Crystal River and then Crystal yep. River directly Clear, to uh, Clearwater Beach. I know oh, we no. went to Clearwater, Clearwater Beach. Beach. Yep. 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 So, uh, Excellent. In fact, we got, we got there just a few days before Christmas. Yeah, the 19th of December. So we were there and then we, we planned on staying there for two months. We had a lot of family and friends coming um, down over Christmas and after Christmas and New Year's. And so we, we, it was a perfect place to have a lot of friends and family come and visit. And it, it's a, it's a fantastic city with the beach right there. Yeah. A little chilly, yeah, and the, but and the, uh, nice. the wind, you get some waves coming in there. It's not yeah. as protected as uh, Clearwater City, Clearwater Beach, but the area, I mean, we left our boat. I didn't even put shoes on. I would just get mm-hmm. out of the boat and walk, we'd walk across over to the beach and we said this is a place, but we did have a couple nights where there were some big waves yeah. <laughs> coming into the, <laughs> right marina. Into the marina. Yeah, just from the weather. It had to be the perfect wind direction, but it it, it was up a little it bit. was worth it. It was worth it. It was worth it. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's you know kind of the same principle that applies to being out in the Gulf on a boat too. The waves can be big. So my last yep. question about your your crossing: the first leg from um, Carabel to Steenhatchee. You mentioned obviously the conditions were not really what you expected. What 
what do you think happened there? Um, did you misinterpret a weather window or did the weather just change? I, I think the swells, I mean, I, need, I needed to, you know, we thought we knew, we thought we were really tied in pretty good. It said two foot, I think it said. Right, right. And they probably, the actual, I don't know if I'm saying this right, um, but the actual waves that we were going through probably were not more than two foot, maybe three foot, but these swells that were underneath it would just, I mean, there was times where real grace would be in front of us and they would disappear in those swells. Mm -hmm. But I would say, you know, if somebody said, well, how big a waves were you in? I really would say we probably weren't hitting anything bigger than three foot. Right. But Mm -hmm. those swells were another, you know, multiplier to that. So it would push those things up. And, um, something that we weren't ready for it. We, we, it was no bad weather. Um, the wind really, we, I don't think we really had a lot of wind. It just was, you know, the, I think the forecast was a little off a little bit, but I do remember a few people, including, um, I think her name's Kim from sea quarters Marina. Yeah. Is that correct? She told us, don't go. She actually told us do not go. She said, do not go. And her exact words, because I said Terrible. this when we, yeah, she was right. She was correct. Yeah. She said, you, you guys will be putting pieces of your boat back together when you cross. But then when we looked at our um, schedule, we were, it was going to be another two weeks way after Christmas before we could have ever have left. So we kind of did exactly what you're not supposed to do, you know, <laughs> when it was, the, um, you know, it wasn't but, ideal conditions. But we also decided that if we got out there and we and we did not feel safer, we you know it looked right. like it was we we had decided we would definitely turn around. Um, and and when we got out there, it was okay. Yeah, um, I, I never we, fe- I, we never felt um like I said I would have been much more nervous if we weren't with a buddy boat. Right. Um, but they but we uh, didn't feel like we were. I never die. felt they <laughs> they took some videos of us and they were sending them around. We were as soon as we got back into cell service. We were getting videos of our boat. My goodness, they're taking videos of us and they're already <laughs> sending them out. The videos made it look way worse. The boat did fantastic. Our, we never, we weren't going side no. to side. No. We were just kind of going up with the waves. But it seemed like you weren't. You had to sit there and watch your chart plotter because it seemed like you weren't making any progress. It was like going, yeah. "My goodness, we're yeah. we're going to be out there." And but it was a, it was all right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, I probably if we were to do that again. In the same forecast, I probably wouldn't go. It, it all depends on the other boats. It all depends. Yeah. Well, and and like I said, the key is really um, a good weather window, and you know, weather encompassing the sea conditions as well. And there's lots of resources to help with that. We do um, seminars oh, yeah. and webinars about that closer to the crossing season. So if anybody's concerned about that, there's plenty of resources we'll be putting out um, for you come the fall. And uh, Tom has a comment about the waves. He thought they were good. We we would always, they're they're in a trawler. And there was some times where they would leave three couple hours, you know, to get to the next marina. They would leave before us. And we'd always catch them um, before we get to the the marina. And I guess he must be referring to crossing Oneida Lake. Must be Oneida Lake. Lake Is that it, Tom, Oneida Lake? (laughs) I'm guessing that must be what he's talking about because there was a storm coming. And once again, we said, boy, do we want to cross this lake? That's a big lake. And we end up, and we said, we'll see you guys on the other side. They're going along. And I guess when we went by, he goes, we, we got to know, we got to, 
he says, I realize how fast you can go now compared to us. That's what he's counting us. I'm thinking that's what he's talking but about. But that's what, that's what we like about, I mean, having the sea ray, we can go fast when we want to or can go fast um, in different areas. And we like that. We, we don't mind going trawler speed, as we call it. You know, we, I like, it's fine. Yeah. I like um, going slow, though. In fact, back to your question about doing the big crossing, whenever mm -hmm. I'm running this boat, Whenever I'm running this boat at 20 miles per hour or 25, we actually couldn't go full speed. No, it says, oh, no traveling to Detroit, he says. Oh, oh okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. It must have been on late. Okay. Um, I know he's talking about now. When we're, when we're idling or going, you know, like I say, it's 1,000 RPMs or, or whatever it is when we're in the rivers, I feel like the boat could do that all day. I'm not worried about it breaking. We're not stressing it, doing anything. But when we're running 20, 25 miles per hour, the boat's working. And I always think, boy, that 250 mile crossing, if you were running 25 miles an hour, the boat would be working for, you know, 10 hours. It's going to be mm -hmm. under a lot, lot of stress. And that, that would, that actually early on concerned me. We left with the boat almost, it actually had a thousand hours on it when we left. This boat. This boat. <laughs> so we were kind of concerned, you know, that we're going to be pushing a gas engine. By the time we get back anyway put it this way kim we took the title of invincible with us <laughs> in case we needed to you know change to a yep. different <laughs> no, no, but she, she didn't. did great yeah yeah well and for anybody who wasn't with us in the beginning um invincible is a 27 foot sea ray single engine gasoline yep. powered so there's a little bit of yep. perspective for you if you missed that in the beginning um, we got a couple questions that came in for you to based on the idea that you were taking Invincible, which had been a freshwater boat, um, through saltwater for the loop yep. route. So the first question is, did you change the bottom paint for the time you were going to be in saltwater from what you normally use in Lake Michigan? They did. They actually, at the marina here, they took off. We're um, What we've been using here in the Great Lakes is almost like a Teflon, not a bladeave. It stays on the boat, and then when they pressure wash, they pretty much clean it off. What we had them put on, actually, we used their recommendations here at the marina. They put four layers of an ablative paint. So if anything would stick to it, when we would take off, it would immediately come off. And it, it, it performed. <laughs> we never had to have, we only had our boat pulled once in um, Fort Meyer. They pulled our boat for one day, and we had our outdrive service done. That's one thing we couldn't. That's just a, that's a yearly thing. Though. Right, that's right. It's just not because we had problems or anything. But they uh, they did it there. Our bottom paint looked fantastic there, and it looked good when they pulled our boat here. What didn't hold up from uh, um, barnacles and everything, our outdrive, when we left Clearwater, Florida, you couldn't even tell we had a stern drive. It just, the oysters and everything had been on there. And we, mm -hmm. we took the boat to St. Petersburg, and then we actually got in the dinghy and cleaned our prop with um, paint scrapers or whatever, and... We didn't have to do that to the bottom. The bottom and our trim tabs got um, pretty uh, barnacle, barnacled up, yeah. But they changed the paint. Um, it's kind of like the paint that we used to use here. But one thing we did get changed, well, all of our zincs, zincs. I'll call them our sacrificial anodes. Um, here we're using something that when you hit into um, – um, yep, yeah. somebody's just asking the question Absolutely right there. And we found out in Fort Myer that we forgot two areas. Our trim tabs have sacrificial anodes, and those things were totally gone. They wow. were just like paper. There was nothing left of them, and the other ones held up good. So we switched uh, those in Fort Myers and then um, made it all the way back here, and they've now switched us back to – it's kind of a combo sacrificial anode now. This one actually, the ones they have on here, 
because he says you guys might go again. I said, well, if we do, it's not going to be in this boat. But um, it's it's made for both uh, freshwater and, and saltwater. Salt. The what they put on there. I just can't remember the actual name of them. I can't either. No. So you mentioned that you may do the loop again, but maybe no, not we in this. Definitely, we're yeah. we're definitely going again. It's um, there's no doubt. <laughs> I mean, we do have plans. We don't know if we're going to, we definitely want to do Canada from here and take a whole mm -hmm. summer and do, we're going to enjoy Canada for a whole, uh, um, a long time and then come back to our slip here and then be pulled for that winter and then do the loop again. Mm -hmm. Um, we just don't know when we're, we're, yeah, we're um, because Canada, you know, yeah, we definitely want Canada open yeah. back up and we are definitely going to get a different boat. I mean, we're going to, I don't, when before on the loop, we were we wanted to go huge. Now we're thinking we just want a little more boat than what we got now. Just a few mm -hmm. more comfort creatures. Yeah, or just just yep. a few more. Yep. Mm -hmm. Built-in yeah. generator. Yeah, yep. Would be nice. Um, I know. Um, we talked about the inverter when we were talking about the mods. I know before everybody was on, but that was something that we put in this boat, and I we used yeah, that a lot. Let's talk about that. Let's yeah, talk about we, that. How, how, yeah. What percentage of the time would you say that you anchored? I oh. think we anchored very little, like very little, 10 times on the whole entire um, loop. Definitely in the, you know, when you have to do the Mississippi there, we anchored at the, well, one time you're on a walk, a lock wall and stuff, right. but that still was, um, um, there was no power there. But, but I think that when we left, we thought we were going to anchor more. Um, when we started anchoring though, we found out because of the, the invincible being as small as it is, the dinghy is on the, um, is, upright on the yep. swim platform and that and it takes up the entire swim platform so for us to do anything um you have to put the dinghy in the water you have to and there's a lot to do and mm -hmm. it just is not as easy as a lot of the other boats that can just pull, pull in, in throw and, their anchor in there and they got their grills going you know yeah. I mean, they're, they're like a little uh you know, they're, yeah. uh, they're a floating and, house. And, and and it wasn't just as easy as, I mean, we thought it was going to be, so we didn't anchor as much, much because of that. But the places that we did anchor in were, were fantastic. amazing, um, amazing places. So we, did, we enjoyed that. Not, not in anchors, but we did do hoppies, too. We were yeah, the, we did go to our, hoppies. We, we actually, we left Alton with, I'm going to say, 12, 12, it was 12, 12 at least 12 boats. Loopers. And we kind of got on the radio a couple times going through St. Louis saying, hey, we're not continuing on we're going to go to hoppies well when we took the turn off to go just to turn to go to hoppies we were getting phone calls and texts whatever what are you guys doing are you guys okay did you break down we go no we're staying at hoppies so we didn't make it clear there but there was some beautiful anchorages um little diversion oh gorgeous um in fact we got hung up before mobile we stayed with a couple boats we traveled with them um sea lord and uh, bubba fly we love the name of the sailboat bubba fly we ended up <laughs> because Mobile Bay was very um, angry, very angry. There was big waves in Mobile Bay. So we ended up getting really close in those last few anchorages there um, on the Mobile River. I guess it's called the Mobile River there. Yeah. Alex will probably come on and correct me on that one. <laughs> but we ended up uh, staying a couple extra nights on the hook, and those were fantastic. Beautiful. We had a ball. Um, it was just like how people describe it. Yeah. So these always fly by. We actually only have a few minutes left, but I really want to be able to touch on some advice that you have for others who are still planning. Cause I know there's lots of people out there who are considering 
a boat in the 27 foot range and maybe are considering whether to do it on the boat they have. Um, you yep. know, and a, a gasoline boat brings some challenges. What's your advice to people who are still planning that you would want that you've learned from the experience that maybe would be helpful to somebody else? I'll do one and then yeah, we can, yeah, I'll ahead, do one. And, you know, if you're going to do something, especially in a boat the size we did it in, stay on it for like the summer before you could ever, before you ever take off. If you're going to stay on the boat the whole year or two years, however long you're going to do the loop, um, definitely stay with whoever's going to be on the boat, you know, a spouse, whatever, and, and do some long term. Even if you're at your home port, just stay on the boat, you know, for um, for a long time so that that first couple of weeks going down the river is not your longest you've ever stayed on the boat. That that's, that's a biggie. And then I, I think one of them, um, enjoy the loop. Um, don't, don't go to places or ports that, um, just because people are telling you to go there. Um, make the loop your loop, not the people you're traveling with. And I think that, you know, don't, and, and part of that is don't do the loop because you want to say we did the loop, do the loop to enjoy it and have fun and, mm-hmm. and learn from it because we, even seasoned boaters, we learn so oh, yeah. much. I learned how to back a boat on <laughs> 10 foot. And I swear at um, Panama city, that was a five foot long dock that was at the end. I think it was four inches wide. It was just like this triangle that we had to put our boat on in the wind. Before the loop, we don't have to back in hardly anywhere in the, we don't. the Great Lakes, but we got really good at it. In fact, at Fort Pierce, they were amazed. Um, we just backed right in like it was nothing. And she goes, hey, that's all right. Uh, yep. Anything else? Um, I just We just always say, you know, fact check everything. You oh. know, when you hear things, I mean, you're going to get so much barn buttered with Information. information. Um, especially when people find out, hey, you're really going or, you know, if you start asking questions and it's great. I mean, you want to get all the information, but you don't want to take it all at face value. And it also depends on if you're talking with somebody that's in a 45 foot boat and you're in a 27, the two, you know, the, the answer might be different to your question. I mean, we, we went with a dinghy that has an electric trolling motor. We used it everywhere. I mean, we had a ball with it, but you know, you, you talk, you ask that question to somebody in a 45 foot boat. That's got this really nice um, dinghy on the back. He goes, what, what are you talking about with a, why do you have to charge up your battery every night so that you can run your dinghy the next day? But that's because that's how we had to do it. So you kind of got to, you know, take it and really do your research yourself, you know, and it it all comes out. It's not as scary. We were scared to death at first um, before we left. We were, we were, I mean, our first night in Chicago was hooking to a, a mooring ball. First time we'd ever physically, we, we, by ourselves. Yeah, by ourselves. By ourselves. We had other people hooked to a mooring ball and we would hook to them, but that was our first mooring ball, but we kind of talked it through and it all worked out good. But, and, and just have patience for each other because <laughs> if you, you, you learn to, I mean, like even when you hand stuff to each other, you know, always saying I've got it or thank you so that they know you have it before so many people uh, lose things in the water and not that we didn't almost some of the times, nope. but you know, be, you know, just be real considerate to um, knowing that it's new to both of us or to everyone on board. And so you just have to be, you know, have the extra patience of, you know, being considerate to each other. And it just, it makes it a great trip. 
You become tolerant of everything. If you've done the loop, <laughs> nothing. We, we're in an area here, we're on a fairway, and we have lots of boats that go back behind us. I firmly believe they could water ski behind us right now, and it wouldn't bother us. After doing the loop, we anchored in so many places, or we're tied to a dock, you know, where things weren't so smooth. But, um, yep, yeah, we got a good one, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it, um, I don't know. Things don't. I think we are definitely our confidence. We build our confidence yeah, up. Yeah, definitely of stuff. build confidence up. Mm -hmm. Just um, two questions that came that are related to whether you would do things different. So I'm going to read those to you and let you answer those before we wrap up. One um, is, is there anything you would do differently, just kind of general? And the other is anything different that you'd bring along the next time? Yeah. Um, one thing we did before we left is we have just receive only AIS, which was, we Wonderful. loved it. I mean, we used it in uh, definitely communicating with toes. And I used it for another thing. We were traveling with a lot of people that were broadcasting AIS so I could match their speed perfectly. I knew exactly where they were at. You know, if they were doing seven miles per hour, we could match it at seven miles per hour. And we never like had to like throttle up or throttle down. Kind of knew where everybody was at. I think if I was to do it again, I would definitely get the full where we would have broadcast AIS. Just I'd feel a little better about everybody knowing where we're at. But definitely if you don't have AIS, receiving AIS, definitely, it's, in our opinion, it's really needed. It, it really is. And I'm glad that we... We put yeah, that we, in the boat before we left. It's definitely. just just being able to call people by their, you know, the toes by their names, especially like going through Lamont, Illinois. It was toe after toe after toe, one lane. And we had to work, you know, you have to make agreements with each toe. We were able to pick each one out. And he would tell us, pull off to the side. They'd go by us. And we, we worked right through there. We did take some things that we never used. Like we bought communicators. Oh, marriage savers. Yeah. We never got them out of the box. We tried them at the house yep. and never used them, but we're going to keep them for our yeah, next if A bigger boat, though, bigger boat. I could see where, um, we where saw, you definitely we would, saw a lot, we saw of, a lot of people yeah, using them. A lot of people in the locks and yeah. So. All right. We will hold it there. Sarah and Harlan, you have been so generous with your time and your information. And it's it's oh. been a joy to talk with you because your enthusiasm for the loop is absolutely contagious. <laughs> it's been a wonderful session. Thank you so much for, for being with us. Thanks, Thank everybody. Thanks, thanks for yeah. joining. Yep. Thanks, everyone. And thanks, everyone, who has watched us on Facebook. We appreciate you being here. We do these bi-weekly. Um, <laughs> however, the next few weeks are our uh, virtual spring rendezvous on Tuesday evening. So the next one of these will be two weeks from tomorrow. We'll be doing it on a Wednesday instead of a Tuesday next time around. So we hope to see you all then. Thanks again. Okay. Bye, everybody. All right. thanks, thanks, everybody. Yep. Thank you.